Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. So have you ever gotten lost? I mean, you've been going someplace, maybe driving the days before GPS, just driving someplace, or maybe out on a hike or someplace and got lost and got disoriented, turned around, not sure where you were, and just that, it's that horrible feeling of just being lost. Have you ever been there? I have, more than I'd like to admit. And actually, it's happened on a couple hikes. Even if I've taken maps with me, even if I've tried to do all the right steps, I've gotten lost on a couple hikes, and it's a horrible feeling. One time that stands out to me was the summer of 2013. There was a national gathering of leaders out there in Colorado Springs, and another pastor on staff and I went out a, a couple days early, and we took a day to go on a hike. We decided to go up part of Pikes Peak, and so we went to Manitou Springs and picked up the bar trail, and, and as we, we knew it was about 6.5 miles uh, to, uh, to the bar camp, about 3,800 feet of elevation gain with that altitude change. This is going to be a challenge. And so we started on that hike, and everything was clear, a nice wide path, everything was clear as day, nice markers, and we made our way up into the woods, and all of a sudden there were some switchbacks, and everything seemed fine. But then we kept walking and realized we didn't see any trail markers. Where are the trail markers? That's fine. We still see the path. We must be on the right, going in the right direction. Kept going. All of a sudden, we're on the side of this hill, and all we saw was dirt and rocks. And deep inside, I thought, something's not right here. Something's not right. Uh, but, like, maybe, maybe reverse sexist here. Like most men, we're like, we thought, let's humbly turn around and go backwards. No, of course not. We're going forward, right? We're going forward. Like, obviously, we're going to find the path. It's got to be forward. So we kept going and, and walking up this path. And I remember my, the person I was with, I mean, he was like, we're, even if this is the wrong path, we're just going to start scaling boulders. We're going to find a way back. And I'm like, this is getting out of control. And, and it was kind of funny at first, but we kept going up this hill. And, and we did come to a point where there were a bunch of boulders. And we looked up and thought, this clearly is the wrong way. And I started to panic a bit inside. I tried not to show it. But inside, I was freaking out. Because I'm like, where are we? What's going on? Like, this is not clear at all. And, and I prayed a prayer, which I've prayed at different points in my life. I prayed, God, you know where I am. You know everything. You know exactly where I am. You know how I can get back on path. Help me to find the way. And as I prayed that prayer, and I still remember my friends just looking at the boulders, trying to find a way through, up and over them, I looked down the hill. As I looked down the hill, if you click back to that last picture, I saw a pile of rocks. A pile of rocks just like that. And I thought, that seems strange. Obviously, that was put there by someone, so I made my way to that pile of rocks. And as I stood by that pile of rocks, I looked around, and I was like, there's another pile of rocks. So I made my way over there. And then I looked around, and in the distance, saw another pile of rocks. And then I looked up and saw my friend trying to climb big rocks. Right? And I said, <laughs> Get down here. I think I found the way back. And he's like, really? So he came down. And as we did, we found our way back to the woods onto the path. And as we kind of navigated our way through the woods, we realized that there was a major switchback. I don't know what we were doing. I mean, I really don't know. I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit we may have been on our phones <laughs> walking along and missed this big yellow sign. Next picture. And we realized that where we were, if you could, it's hard to read the bottom of the sign, but it says bottomless pit. We went to the bottomless pit. That's messed up, right? We had no idea where we were, where it was going on. 
And so then we, as we found our way back to that sign, we eventually made our way up the path to the bar camp, and you know, we were happily lived happily after lived happily ever after we got down up the mountain. But I'll never forget that day getting lost and trying to figure out where we were going. In so many ways, life and faith can be like that, where you're heading in the right direction, you're on the right path, and maybe you're on your phone or you lose track and you take a wrong turn, and all of a sudden you're lost. You feel like everything's turned upside down in life. Maybe you feel disoriented. Everything is out of sorts. And, and you need to find the way back. Uh, I know that's the case for me. And the good news is that as followers of Christ, God gives us his word. He gives us the Bible. And he gives us the truth of scripture. Ultimately, he gives us Jesus himself to find our way back. When we feel like we've gone off, off track, when we feel lost, we feel disoriented, God says, come back to me. And all throughout scripture, the stories of Scripture, the truths in Scripture are those piles of rocks that can help us navigate our way back to the right trail. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on in the weeks ahead as we consider the essentials of the Christian faith. And it's just been the essentials of the Christian faith, the essential beliefs have been handed down over the course of church history. Right? One of the lesser-known letters in the New Testament of Jude, um, it says one-chapter letter in verse 3, we read this, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share... I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Here in the beginning of this letter, he's reminding his readers and listeners there's a faith that was entrusted to God's holy people once for all. And this faith has been handed down like a treasure going from one generation to the next. And this treasure provides truth. This treasure provides hope. This treasure provides help. And ultimately it's found in his word. And so the, the role for us, the goal for us is to turn to them and to look to them. And so that's what we're going to be doing in the weeks ahead as we look at the essentials of the Christian faith. Essential, a definition of essential, one of many is, as for an adjective, is absolutely necessary or indispensable. So we're going to be considering what are the absolute and indispensable essential aspects of the Christian faith. What are those core beliefs? There's lots of things on the periphery, but what's at the core? What's vital? And what can help us find our way back when we get lost? Um, back in the 17th century, th during the 30-year war that in Europe, where there was high religious tensions, uh, a, German, uh, a German Lutheran theologian came up with a saying. It's been attributed to Augustine, but it really crystallized at that time. And it's, in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. And over all things, love or charity. And what this did was it, it held together the church in a very tumultuous time when there was lots of different things going on, different, lots of different emphases of belief saying, hey, in the essentials, there needs to be unity. And ultimately, the essential is Jesus Christ himself. And in that, find that unity. But there's lots of non-essentials, things that aren't clear in Scripture, where good people have disagreed on over the years. Even the Apostle Paul in Romans 14 talks about disputable matters, things that aren't clear. And so, for, so what's essential is Jesus Christ. What's essential is his uniqueness and the uniqueness of his word in Scripture. Uh, what's, you, what's also essential is Jesus is we will celebrate the Lord's Supper shortly. He said, do this in remembrance of me. That's essential. But a non-essential is how we do it. And notice how Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say, do this in remembrance of me and cut this kind of bread in these types of squares and store it in a certain location and use grape juice instead of wine and make sure it's chilled at this degree. No, he didn't do that. That would be really odd. No, he didn't do that. He just said, do this in remembrance of me. And so for us in the weeks ahead, we want to look at what's essential. What are the essential beliefs of the Christian faith? 
And one lends into that, uh, comes from the denomination of which our church is a part of. It's the uh, evangelical, uh, it's the covenant order of evangelical Presbyterians. And this denomination started in 2012. And the mission of this group of churches is to build flourishing churches that make disciples of Jesus Christ. And we're a part of that network of churches. And that network of churches seeks to encourage each other and help each other and support each other and be resources for one another. And where denominations can sometimes feel like and sound like a curse word in our world, it's actually a gift because we're not alone as a church. We're networked in. There's accountability. And when the denomination started, they pulled together some, some of the most faithful and God-revering people, uh, professors and pastors, to write up the essential tenets of the Christian faith, looking at creeds and confessions and ultimately looking at Scripture saying, what's essential? So we're going to lean on that in the weeks ahead. And, and if you're part of the weekly email that comes, comes to you that you got from me, I, create, I put a link into it, and I'll be referring to it in the weeks ahead. Uh, if you're not on that email list, just write to the front office. We'll make sure you're on it. If you signed up for it and you don't know where it is, check your spam. Check your spam. Check your spam. So that's my little advertisement for the email. So <clears throat> let's go back to the essentials. So that's what we're going to focus on. So where do we begin? Where we begin is that glorifying God is essential. And that's the start. The first sentence in the essential tenets laid out by Eco is the great purpose towards which each human life is drawn is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If you've been around the church for years, you know that there's something called the shorter, Westminster Shorter Catechism, and it's a, it's a question-answer tool that was used to teach primarily children centuries ago. And the first question asks, what is the chief purpose of humanity or man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so what does it mean to glorify God? The Apostle Paul even exhorts us in 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's just do everything to honor and revere and praise him. Do it for the glory of God. So what is this glory? The word glory comes from, it's translated in the New Testament from a Greek word called doxa. Say that with me. Doxa. Say it with enthusiasm. Doxa. I mean, that's, that's, your, that's your word of the day. It's like uh, Sesame Street of old, right? So doxa is, it means to praise and honor and glory. And it's not only what is the, by nature what someone who is glorious should have, but it's also what we give to a person or a thing that deserves that, 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 that honoring. And so how do we honor? How do we glorify? How do we praise something? Ultimately, it's for God himself. It's really a response to something that's beautiful, and ultimately God is the most beautiful. He's the ultimate beauty. And so we're called to give him glory. But it's at this very point, this very juncture, that we could turn off course. And it's been this way throughout the history of humanity, where though God makes himself available, it's, it's what we choose to honor, what we choose to praise, what we choose to glorify, that decision has an impact on our life. At the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, and when he describes this choice, uh, he describes this in, in terms of all humanity. He says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Right here we see a choice, a choice given to all of humanity. And here the description is, For, all they, for although they knew God, or I would say knew about God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks. And what happened? Description is apart from God. When we don't glorify him, when we don't thank him, our thinking becomes futile. Our hearts become darkened. If you want to choose the road of light, 
we want to choose the way of looking up, Paul says, glorify God, thank him. But if we don't, if we choose to honor and glorify anything else besides God, we walk down a different path. In many ways, we can end up in a form of bottomless pit in terms of our faith and life. And God says, come back, come back, honor and glorify me. So how do we glorify God? Another sentence from those uh, essentials, each member of this church glorifies God by recognizing and naming his glory, which is the manifestation and revelation of his own nature. That's a mouthful, in essence saying, give God what he deserves. Adore him, thank him, praise him. Name those things about God. As you do that, as you glorify him, that'll lift up your, your countenance. It'll bring light to your life. It'll put you on the right track. The first essential is glorifying God. Glorifying God is essential. Some ways to practice this. Um, one way is to simply pray and tell God and, and honor him through your prayers. Um, these are three phrases that I have taught my daughters over the years in terms of how to praise God, how to honor and glorify him, how to adore him. First one is, God, I adore you because, fill in the blank. Another one is, God, you are wonderful because. That's a little more accessible. You're wonderful because. Or God, I praise you because. And uh, as you think about finishing those sentences, it could be based on who God is. It could be based on what God has done. And if you need help, that's where you could turn to God's word, especially the Psalms, where over and over in the Psalms we see God being praised and adored and honored for who he is and for what he's done. And as you practice this, and it, almost, it really does shift your brain and definitely shifts your heart and to put a focus back on God and to glorify him. That's one way to glorify God. Another way to glorify God is through, uh, at points, confessing what you believe. And there's been tools given over the years, whether it's creeds and confessions to help us to do it. At its worst, it's robotic, mechanical reading and being forced to say something you don't believe. I don't want anyone to say anything that they don't wholeheartedly believe. And no one should be forced to say something not based on where they are. But at its best, these creeds and confessions can be tools that summarize the Christian faith. And uh, another description from those essential tenets is, is, so we confess our faith not as a matter of dispassionate intellectual assent, but rather as an act by which we give God glory and announce our membership in the body of Christ. And so things like the Apostles' Creed have been given to us as a gift. If you've been around the church, it's a summary of the essential beliefs of the Christian faith. Where this creed was first put together, really, it's, it's believed that those who are being baptized, they would respond to questions. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about God the Father? What do you believe about God the Son? What do you believe about God the Holy Spirit? And they would respond. And this was a big deal. Because when you were baptized in the early centuries of the church, you were publicly saying, Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And when you said that, you put a target on your head from the Roman Empire. And so when they stood up and said, what has now come to us to be the, as the Apostles' Creed, it was an act of holy defiance right, to a, a, an empire that was oppressing many. And so they would say it, and they would say it with enthusiasm because they believed that Jesus, absolutely Jesus Christ, not only came to live to be with us, but died for the forgiveness of their sins and rose again from the dead, and they affirmed their faith. And so this Apostles' Creed has been a tool for years. At its worst, and I've been mostly in your seats over the years, where 
It's like, okay, it comes in a worship service, and it's like, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under the Pontius Pilate. So it's like, but if you sit back and say, put yourself in the first couple centuries of the church, and you're responding to this amazing news about Jesus Christ, and you're in holy defiance, you're, you're in essence saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven, and it goes on and on. It's a tool for us. That's a way to glorify God is to affirm what we believe. Um, and so if you want to find your way back, if you, if you feel lost in your faith, I invite you to the essentials of the Christian faith and, and, and track with us in the weeks ahead, whether in person or here online or joining online. Follow with us as we go through the essentials of the faith. If you know someone who may feel lost or maybe has given up on God and saying, hey, here's a way to kind of find your way back, or at least consider again, the love of God that he has for you. You can check that out in the weeks ahead. Um, as we finish, I want to give you one thing to remember, one thing to do in light of glorifying God. Um, one thing to remember is this. We can experience our true purpose and get on track in life as we learn to glorify God and enjoy him. Remember that piece. What's the one thing to do? How do we actually put this into practice? This week, practice glorifying God. Practice adoring him. Or practice sharing a word of adoration, or not just words, but also deeds. Dedicate an act to God each day as a way to glorify Him. And do that this week. Seek to do that. Maybe set an alarm. Uh, maybe if you're a morning person, 6 a.m. If you're a midday person, noon. Maybe it's in the evening. Set an alarm on your phone and just say, glorify God as, as, as a description. And take a moment and take those prayers from before. God, I praise you because. God, I adore you because. God, you are wonderful because. And Fill in the blank. I invite you to write that down. Take out a piece of paper. Maybe you have a journal. Many of, I know many have an, of a gratitude journal. Create an adoration journal for October. Write the date and just say, God, you're wonderful because. And again, look to the Psalms in the middle of the Bible if you need help filling in that blank. But see what happens is you just tell God how wonderful he is. And know this. I know years ago, one of my daughters asked and said, isn't it kind of self-serving for God to say, glorify me? Isn't that kind of like selfish? I go, listen, through our lens as human beings, it may feel like, wait, if we were saying that, that'd be messed up. But this is God. As we glorify him, as we honor him, we praise him. Um, see what happens in your life and what light comes into your life as you look up to him and adore him this week. And do it in word, and then do it in deed. Ask each morning, God, show me a way that I can glorify you by how I love someone today. Perhaps it's someone who's unlovable. God loves us no matter what. If we go and love others like he's loved us, boy, that glorifies him. See what happens in your life this week as you give this a shot. Some questions to help you think about this. One, when have you been lost and how did you find your way back? Think about that generally. And as you think about your faith in life, two, when have you felt lost in your faith in God? And how can the essential beliefs of the Christian faith help you find your way back? Number three, what could change? What could change if you made made it a practice to glorify God every day this week. What would happen? Um, give that a shot. I'll be praying for you. Um, let me pray for you now around this, and then we'll move into our time of communion. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we've considered the, this beginning, God, I, ask and I pray for every person who's heard this message, whether right now, online, or in the future, God, that you would uh, call, for, that they would know that they are loved by you, loved deeply by you. And God, when we feel lost in life, especially when it comes to faith, 
Thank you, Lord, that you are always inviting us back. And God, you've given us trail markers to find our way back, and it's found in your word, and especially in these essential beliefs of the Christian faith. God, in the weeks ahead, help us to see those more clearly. Help us to draw closer to you. And for this week, Lord, help us to practice glorifying you in our lives by both what we say and how we pray, but also how we act and how we love others. Give us your light. Give us a renewed sense of life. And give us your hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.